You're listening to The Richard Bean Show on News Talk 96.1 and AM 1180 KERN. Welcome back, everybody. It's a day after the events of yesterday. I'm still trying to, I don't know, absorb it, figure out what it means, what it means to our country, what it means to us today. And I was glued to multiple channels last night, getting all I could. It is hard. It's just hard to put your arms around. Everything that transpired yesterday and then, of course, the events of today, which we'll catch everybody up on. About it's horrible. We had four people died yesterday. Yeah, I've seen that. That's unfortunate. We're still still putting together exactly what happened in the failure of the Capitol Hill police, calls for his resignation. You know, heads are going to roll there. Uh, Lots of finger pointing, lots of conspiracy theories out there. Uh, our own Kevin McCarthy is in the middle of this and is getting a lot of flack for his uh, loyalty to the president. Shannon Grove has been called out for a tweet that she posted and then deleted. There's a lot of action and a lot of ground to cover, Jr. Here's what we're going to do today, folks, uh, to cover this thing. I thought it would be interesting to get. I've heard just offline from obviously like all all of us have various people and their perspectives on this thing. Uh, one person who is a uh, first uh, generation immigrant, uh, Indian parents were born in India. Parents came over here with nothing, uh, and she has made a quite a name for herself. And that's Raji Brar. You know, uh, I talked to her yesterday, and she had a very interesting perspective from the a first immigration immigrant from from India and what this means to when people leave the land of their birth and and come here as so many so thousands and millions have before them to start a new life and their image and their eye and how how they look on this country and what it represents this just flies in the face of it she was hurt by it she is hurt by it. She doesn't know what to tell her parent, her, her children. Uh, and so I'm, I asked Raji to come on today because we're going to get her, her perspective as an immigrant and what this country means and what this kind of stuff does to the hopes and dreams of, uh, of all of us. I think right now the whole country, we're all looking for grace here, JR. We're looking for not a way out, but a way to not even to make sense of it because I don't think you can make sense of what happened yesterday. But we're looking for a way to, you know, can we forgive each other? You know, hasn't this vitriol gone too far? Is there a way that we can look each other and build a new America here? And look, like it or not, part of that's going to be without Donald Trump and everything that he has represented, and we're going to talk about that in the future. But, folks, we're at a crossroads here. And this country is at a crossroads, and you saw a lot of it play out yesterday. We'll talk about what happened yesterday after the riots, because when we hung up here yesterday when the show ended at 3 o'clock, everything was still in play uh, at, uh, at the Capitol and in D.C. And, in fact, the joint session of Congress did reconvene. They did affirm Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as our new president and vice president, and they will be inaugurated on January 20th. 
So we'll talk more about, about that. But this is a day that of reflection, I guess, and, and sizing up what happened and beyond the physical damage to the Capitol. By the way, Jared, did you see some of that film? They really trashed a lot of that place. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I caught a little bit of it here and there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was more than just walking through and uh, waving flags. There was some real vandalism going on there. In fact, in, outside of one Democratic congressman's office, uh, somebody urinated on his door outside. There was a lot of bad behavior going on in that incident yesterday. But I think beyond the physical damage, we're all looking, we're all looking through the nation's psyche and what, it, what does this mean for us as a country? What does this mean for all of it? Uh, I, for one, am looking forward to, uh, Joe Biden has been criticized for a lot, a lot of things, including his age. I think this country could do a lot worse than have a decent elderly man who can transition us out of this thing and into something else. Uh, the, the last four years have been, whether you, whether you hate Donald Trump or you love Donald Trump, it's been a real roller coaster ride. And I've been very clear on this show that I agree with many, many things that Donald Trump has done, you know. If you are a conservative, as I consider myself, even though I will tell you a lot of the listeners, you know, might brand me something else, but it, uh, if you are a conservative, then you would support a lot of what Donald Trump did. Uh, certainly his view on fossil fuels, his view on immigration, uh, his views on taxes, his views on support for small businesses. It goes on and on. Uh, on the other hand, I have been... Uh, alarmed and repelled by his behavior over the years, and I think a lot of people have. Uh, was, we're in a period here where we need to we need to regroup and figure out where where we're going to go. So let's bring up to date what what happened last night since we last talked. The Capitol was cleared of the protesters. Uh, the joint session of Congress did reconvene. Now there was a lot of talk. Remember. The joint session of Congress was, was convened when they were interrupted. They were affirming the electoral college votes that, that would uh, put Joe Biden in a position to be inaugurated January 20th. That was a foregone conclusion. It was going to happen. It was going to happen. Uh, yet before that, a dozen U.S. Republican senators and congressmen had signaled that they were going to challenge the votes in different states because of these charges of fraud. The problem, of course, is there's n none of the fraud that has been so-called exposed has been verified or substantiated. And so there was a feeling that after the events of yesterday, maybe we just let this go and move on. Well, some did. Some Republicans did step down and said, "I'm just, I'm not into this now. We got, we got to move on." Others didn't, including our own Kevin McCarthy. He's getting a lot of, a lot of heat for that. As a matter of fact, the Sacramento Bee had an editorial saying that Kevin McCarthy and others were guilty of fomenting dissension, basically calling them, you know, treasonous 
uh, in a way. He's coming in a lot of hurt. Anyway, so the joint session met. Uh, they uh, affirmed it. And I'll tell you, here's the, here's the interesting thing. As I'm watching this JR into the wee hours last night, the joint session is pre presided over by Donald Trump, I mean by, by Vice, uh, Vice President Mike Pence. Donald Trump is nowhere to be found. Uh, Twitter suspended him. Facebook uh, suspended him after that. He is nowhere to be found. People are telling uh, network sites like CBS and even Fox that he had, quote, lost it. Now, whatever that means, uh, whatever that means, he lost it, but that he was holed up in his office, glued to the TV, right? So Mike Pence steps in, and he runs the joint session of a Congress. And I'm watching this happen, and I must tell you, Jr. I felt good about it. I felt good that I don't know what's going on with I don't know what went on with with, with Donald Trump, but the wheels of the government continued. They didn't stop because of one person. Mike Pence, I thought, showed a lot of courage yesterday, whether you agree with him or not, that Donald Trump basically asked Mike Pence to overturn the election. That, and Mike Pence said, no, I do not have the sole discretion to overturn this election, right? And you could see Mike Pence starting to distance himself from the president, you know. But I was encouraged to watch this, th this process go on. I mean, just hours after people had l literally ransacked our U.S. Capitol, the process went on. And at one point during the session last night, I'm watching the the, the crowd and, and you know the congressmen and and the, the senators in the joint session, and I spotted our own Diane Feinstein, and it occurred to me, Jr. Diane Feinstein's well into her 80s, is, is she not? You know, I believe she is. Uh, but Diane Feinstein, I mean, talk about a life, you know, wh wh what was going through her head. If you remember, this is going to go way back in a way back machine before you were born, Jr. But in 1978, she was a city council person in San Francisco. She was at the city hall when a guy named, uh, I think it was Ron White, or no, I'm not sure, it's White was his name. And he had he used to be a supervisor. He was mad at Mayor George Moscone. He walked into the San Francisco City Hall and shot and killed Harvey Milk, another supervisor, and George Moscone, right? Uh, Diane Feinstein was in the building when that happened. And I'm thinking about everything she has witnessed in this country. I mean, she has witnessed the highs and the lows, been there for inaugurations, watched great things happen in this country, and she has seen the violence that we're capable of rendering on ourselves. And I got, I got a sense of a large sweep of history that was going on out of something terrible and ugly, which happened just hours before. Somehow, this country pulled it together to get the work done. And I, I, perhaps I was looking for a reason for hope or uh, lo looking for a reason to, uh, uh, for grace, but I felt good about that. And the sweep of history was not lost on me last night. So that happened. 
uh, you know, since then, White House uh, aides have been resigning in disgust. A deputy national security advisor uh, resigned. Elaine Chow, who is the transportation secretary, she has since resigned. Now, she is, that's not insignificant. She was with the administration from the beginning. There's not a lot of people there who lasted all four years. She is also the spouse of Mitch McConnell, and McConnell has distanced himself. You're starting to see this, you know, and it's happening in a big way. Lindsey Graham made an impassioned uh, speech saying, I've done all I can. I'm done with them. Let's move on, you know. Uh, things are happening, and now it didn't take long. We have people openly calling for either the president to impeach, to be impeached. Now think about that. He's only got 10 days or 11 days left on, on his term, right? 13 days, 12 days, something like that. Uh, to be impeached or to invoke the 25th Amendment. And the 25th Amendment in the Constitution provides a way for a president, a sitting president, to be removed if he is deemed incapable of forming, performing the duties of office. That could be out of mental illness. It could be out of, say, if, it, if, a, if a president has a stroke and uh, is in a medically induced coma, has a heart attack, or is going under the knife for some, some reason, there's plenty of reasons to use this. This would be an extreme use of the 25th Amendment. And it's a, it, it's a, it's a Hail Mary because it would have to be in order for the 25th Amendment to be used, it would have to be a product of members of his cabinet and the Vice President Pence getting together and petitioning Congress to say the President is unfit for duty. I'm not ruling that out, but let's see where it goes. The thinking is this, even though there's only less than two weeks left, you know, anything is this president capable of doing something reckless in that period? And uh, Speaker Pelosi just held a press conference about uh, an hour ago uh, ma making that, that case, as we say. So there you go. Lots more to talk about. Uh, K-Mac, Kevin McCarthy, has been called out. Uh, he has been called a traitor, a quizzling, you know. You know what quizzling is, Jr. you know? Uh, no, why don't you school me on that one? Sir? I will school you on yeah, that I, one. I'd there like to learn. Let me re write that one down. How well, to say you that again? Should. Uh, Quisling, Q-U-I-S-L-I-N-G. That was the last name of a Norwegian politician during World War II, and he collaborated with the Nazis. And ever since then, if you are referred to as a Quisling, is that you are collaborating with the enemy in a treasonous, traitorous way. It's a pretty serious charge, but people are leveling those kind of charges at the people, including Kevin McCarthy, who are still loyal to the president at this time. So you, you, you have, have that. Uh, we'll talk about more about K-Mac's role in this and Shannon Grove as well. I don't, you know... Shannon Grove is enormously popular in this town, and she deserves, uh, she has worked hard, she has worked the system, and 
she's visible, she's around, uh, she, uh, she has worked hard for the contacts she, she has. But I'll tell you, this woman is like a moth to flame when it comes to conspiracy theories. And she's done it before, and it didn't take her long before the dust had cleared on the Capitol to send out a tweet saying that these protesters weren't pro-Trump protesters, they were plants from Antifa, which a theory which has since been pretty much debunked. As a matter of fact, the Capitol Police and the D.C. Police just sent out earlier today pictures of a half dozen of the more famous protesters, including the guy in the buffalo head and the horns, the guy uh, who was sitting in Pelosi's office, and they were all, one's a member of QAnon, the conspiracy group, uh, another is a member of a Second Amendment coalition out of uh, was it Arizona. Another member is a Proud Boys. These are not Antifa people. And for the life of me, I don't understand why people get themselves in a knot tighter than a pretzel to find ways to defend the indefensible. You know, folks, sometimes a bone is just a bone. People do reckless stuff. This was a crowd that, now granted, a, a very few members of the protest, you know, committed these crimes, but you don't need many. And if you egg people on, if you egg people on, people are going to do stuff like that. It doesn't mean they all have to be from Antifa. Both the left and right are capable of horrible behavior. Let's just leave it at that. We're all capable of a horrible behavior. So you have that. By the way, Shannon Grove since uh, deleted that tweet. But there you have it. You can see already that people are trying to find ways to excuse the president and say this is none of his doing. But I think that train has left the station. Let's go straight to the phones. We have David on line one. Welcome, David. What's on your mind? Oh, howdy, Richard. I, yeah, I, um, I, I was listening to a bunch of different shows today about this and um, it, it's funny actually I, I was listening to uh, Reverend Sharpton has a, a show and he was talking about how tough it was to book an event you know if uh, if Trump gave a speech earlier that morning uh, over on uh, was it the, on the ellipse I think over near the White right. House mm -hmm. and you know to book an event uh, you're supposed to live up to a certain standards and based on the zoning, you know, if it's the parks department or if it's, a, you know, federal parks or all of the different uh, agencies have, have land out there. So these guys started over at uh, Trump's speech, you know, carrying all sorts of strange equipment. And you would think the Secret Service would have a, a say in all of this or the parks department or whatnot. And then when they left, they headed straight over toward the Capitol and they walked on a whole bunch of different types of property. And nobody gave a, a heads up that this mob of people was heading over toward the Capitol. And so, you know, the phoniness of, you know, D Reverend Sharpton was talking about they had to pay, what, a, for a recent event, I think it was a Black Lives Matter event, they had to spend $150,000 on thermometers to make sure that nobody had COVID. $150,000. Wow. Now, did, did Trump have to spend that kind of money on, on this uh, super spreader event he did out there? So I'm betting if Donald Trump is as rich as he says he is, 
How about he reaches down in his couch and pull out a quick $100 million and give it to America for repairs on the Capitol? Very good. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Good call. One We're going to come back with Roger. Large mass of people. I would say it was hard to find a person with a mask. And I would also say, how difficult is it to put on an event without cross-referencing different departments to have that event? Therefore, everyone in the district knew exactly that that event was taking place. Right. Right. And you would, you have to, when you apply for an event, you have to give them a figure on the population, the number of people attending the event, so that they can supply the security and necessary city support systems so that you can have the event. And so my concern is this, <clears throat> twofold. Your last guest was very insightful. When I look at young people and I'm saying, what biases, what prejudices, what, what do they want to learn, what, do they, what are they looking forward to do? When you tell them they need to have hope, they understand it, but they don't quite see it because it's a non-action point. The thing is that that I found and most concerned with in working with the National Associations for School School Advancement and City and uh, Youth Advancement to College, that there is a development stage in life where we learn things that we are unconscious of. In other words, unconscious bias. About out of time, Ron, so wrap it up here. Well, unconscious bias leads us into prejudice when we're manipulated by, by media sources that tell us how we should be thinking, and maybe we think that because our unconscious mm. bias brings us there. That's so interesting. Thank you, Ron. That's a lot to think about. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the show. We're going to be right back here. we got Dr. Richard Gearhart coming right back when we come back here on KERM. This is AM 1180 KERN. This is 96.1 FM. Bakersfield. From ABC News, I'm Michelle Franzen. Investigations, condemnations, and resignations a day after a mob of Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol. President-elect Joe Biden today again calling it a full assault on democracy. They weren't protesters. Don't dare call them protesters. They were a riotous mob, insurrectionists. Domestic terrorists. That violence breaking out during the certification of the electoral results, sending lawmakers scrambling to shelter in place, including Senator Lindsey Graham. The longtime ally of President Trump says the actions will forever tarnish the Trump presidency. The first thing that stands out to me is how embarrassed and disgusted I am that the United States Capitol could be taken over by domestic terrorists while we're in session. That's triggered an investigation about security. Mayor Muriel Bowser of D.C. says the riot exposed inconsistencies in the federal response. We must also understand why the federal law enforcement response was much stronger at the protest over the summer than during yesterday's attack on Congress. Police say they've made dozens of arrests so far. The acting U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia says eight of those cases involve firearms, violations, property theft, and discovery of Molotov cocktails that were, quote, ready to go. The threat of domestic terrorism, something the new Biden administration will have to address. President-elect Biden today announcing his pick for attorney general. Merrick Garland has a number of issues on his plate should he be confirmed by the Senate. As incoming attorney general, he'll oversee the ongoing investigation into Hunter Biden's taxes and the special counsel's investigation into the origins of the Russia investigation. But he'll also likely face calls to pursue President Trump for potential crimes after he's out of office. 
Mark Remillard, ABC News. Coronavirus cases continue to reach record levels across the U.S. You're listening to ABC News.